Hi there, Scott Rockfile, back with another podcast review for you. I'm going to talk about the new 4K release of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. The short version is, if you like the Mission Impossible movies, go watch this one. Done. End of story. Done. Because you got to wait for the next one. It's a hard, a very hard thing to do to review a part one when the part two hasn't been released yet. Not so much with Dune, but with this, you know, Dune's based on a, a, a novel that I'm very familiar with. So I know what's going to happen. It wasn't really a big deal to cut it in half. This, on the other hand, did it need to be cut in half? I don't know. It's a very long movie. It's two hours and 45 minutes, give or take. Um, is it awesome? Yeah. Have you seen most of it in the trailer? Yeah. Um, does it take 30 minutes to get to the credits? Yep. 28 and a half minutes in, they finally start rolling the credits. That tells you how much of what happens before, you know, before the movie actually gets started. (laughs) All of that being said, it sounds like I didn't like it. I loved it. I think it's just under the last couple. Christopher McQuarrie has again delivered an incredible action movie. If the Mission Impossible movies are anything, their competition, um, with John Wick and Deadpool for just thrilling, over-the-top action sequences. Now, Mission Impossible stays a little more grounded than those comic book movies, but um, they still pull off some, you know, not not exactly Fast and the Furious-level stupidity, but they do some pretty crazy things. That yeah, Do they really have to do that? Well, it makes it more exciting that they did. I'm one of the few people who thought the first one was just okay. Everybody loves Brian De Palma's first one. Didn't like John Woo's second one and thought they got better after the third one. I don't disagree. I think the third one's great and they only get better from there. I thought the first one was okay. I liked the second one because I liked the motorcycles, the rock climbing, and some of the ways that John film, uh, John Woo filmed and framed that story. But overall, yeah, the second one is the weakest. Um, third and on have all been great. That's been firing on all cylinders. I've walked out of the theaters. I've got done watching rewatching them at home and gone, wow. Okay. That's, you know, they're not bad. Not one of them has been bad. You can't really say anything bad about any of the mission impossible movies. The only thing you can say about this one is it was one of the most expensive movies ever made. Its budget was $291 million and it only grossed about 567 million, about half a billion. Is that a disappointment? Well, Movies are supposed to make about three times their budget, so they were hoping for closer to a billion, I think. <laughs> but they still have a second movie to go. And now that that's been pushed back to May of 2025, we have a whole another year and a half to wait. That's a long time. I thought they filmed these back-to-back. And even with the COVID delay, we're already working on the special effects and stuff. Why are we have They pushed back the next one for a year and a half. In the current zeitgeist of people and how much they care about stuff, how are they going to recreate interest in this a year and a half later when the sequel comes out? I'm not saying that the movie's not good enough that you don't want to see what happens next. I do. But it's not left on such a cliffhanger that, oh, my God, like Endgame and Infinity War. You know, that that cliffhanger, you would wait a year because whatever was going to happen next, you know, was going to be worth it. I'm assuming what's going to happen next is going to be worth it. In watching the extras and Christopher McQuarrie and Tom Cruise saying, if you think this one was big, wait till you see what we have planned for the next one. And they have both said recently, this is not the end of Mission Impossible. They're already planning out some other ideas. This one was just a big story, and they split it into two. By the end of the film, I felt like I was fully back in. I didn't rewatch the Mission Impossible movies to get into this one. I wasn't really in the mood to do that. 
I do want to rewatch them all, and maybe in this year and a half I have until the next one comes out, I can do that. Uh, I do own them all and, and will rewatch them. I don't have them all in 4K, but we may work on that. Um, but anyway, uh, speaking to the 4K, this is a 5 out of 5. It's great video. It's great audio. The Dolby Atmos is almost perfect. The video is nearly perfect, at least on my system. I have nothing complaints about the, the Blu-ray or the Steelbook Edition or any of that. Uh, pick it up if you want it. 4K is the way to go. It looks amazing. Sounds amazing. The movie itself, well, it's a Mission Impossible movie. So to really talk about it would do it injustice. And the fact that they have given you so much of the trailer also does it a great injustice. But is this all the tease for the second one? Sure. And when we were getting that next year, that was one thing. But now we're getting it in a year and a half. That's a whole other thing. In the end, it didn't feel like a two-hour and 43-minute movie. The set pieces, we saw John Wick do the whole car thing recently in a, in a similar place. Well, maybe it was the same place. Um, I don't think it was the same place, actually. Um, there were a few things that like, okay, this scene went on, this action went a little long, but you can't complain about the action because it's so well done. It's practical effects, real cars, real buildings, real planes, real motorcycles jumping off cliffs, which, by the way, you saw it in the trailer. It's still very spectacular watching the movie and then to watch the extras and see how they really did it, how many times he did it. He jumped off that cliff like 30 times in a day. I'm sorry. I don't care who you are. Doing it once would be hard. Doing it twice would be really hard. I can't imagine doing it three or four times. 30? How many times he jumped out of planes to get the parachuting stuff right? How many times that he kind of rode on the back of a train to see, you know? I mean, he really does give it all for his movies, and, and soon he's going to be so old that he can't continue to do this, or they're going to have to, you know, digitally do it, stuntman, whatever. But right now, he's doing a lot of his own stunts. When they do the close-up on his face and they pull out as the motorcycle goes for that jump, you never they never cut away, you never lose it. And then they cut it from multiple angles when he's going over. You see his face, you know, it's... It's hard to replace that. With a special effect, you're going to go, hey, it looks good, but it looked like a special effect. We know that he literally did this with all the behind-the-scenes footage. He really does that stuff. So anyway, the story is good. It, it taps into the whole AI thing. I think Isai Morales is good in his role, but he's kind of wasted. He gets to be a, a, a bad guy. He gets to be a little, um, his name is Gabriel, and he gets to be a little otherworldly. Kind of, He knows things because of the AI and the computer and everything. And then he kind of turns into somebody who's the match. All right, here's the one thing I don't like about the movie. In the opening montage, we see a flashback to before the first movie, and we find out that he's got a relationship with Isai Morales, that he's seen this guy before. I hate that. Stop doing this in movies ever. They brought back Kitteridge from the first movie. Do that with him because we saw him. But if we didn't see Isai Morales in the very first Mission Impossible movie seven movies ago, don't tell me now that he's part of the story before the story began. I think that's the worst MacGuffin, the laziest MacGuffin that anybody can do. Show him in the background of one of the movies at least. But no, it's a scene that took place that kind of made Ethan Hunt make him have the choice to join the MI program i'm sorry if that's a spoiler but it's a minor thing at the very beginning and it kind of presents itself multiple times in the movie as they present somebody else with a choice right i do like everybody in the film adding Haley atwell was awesome ving rames uh simon Pegg, rebecca ferguson vanessa kirby they're all great isai morales um palm clement however you pronounce her name from the uh 
Guardians of the Galaxy movies. She's a great assassin in this film. Um, yeah, I really don't have any complaints about the movie other than, you know, you got this big MacGuffin that we supposedly have known about Isai Morales' character through all the movies, even though we just saw that flashback at the very beginning of the last movie. Okay. Um, and and the length, like I said, I didn't really feel it. There were a couple times in a couple chase scenes or a couple running scenes or a couple fight scenes where it's like, okay, one less bad guy would have been maybe good. One less car crash, maybe. But again... Modern audiences are hungry for that stuff. Maybe I'm not the guy to say how long an action sequence. I sat through all the recent Fast and the Furious movies, and some of those go on a little bit too long, too, but that's a whole other story. Maybe people are eating that part of it up. That the movie didn't do as well as they planned kind of says maybe they should temper some of that. I don't think the movie did have to be two hours and 43 minutes, but I think what's there is a solid movie. Maybe cut it down to two and a half. I don't know. Really had no complaints. I can't wait to rewatch it. I, I plan to rewatch all the Mission Impossible movies, then I'll watch that one before part two comes out a year and a half from now. So knock on wood, I'm still alive and still doing podcasts and all that. Uh, we'll go through this journey together through a young Tom Cruise growing up in the Mission Impossible movies. Arguably some of the best stuff he does. I did like the last um, Top Gun. He's made some really good movies over the years, like The Last Samurai. Um, how can you say anything bad about Risky Business? Although that was, you know. That wasn't so much him, just his charisma. Anyway, he's turned into that dude like Jackie Chan who will do anything for his fans to make a movie great, and I respect that in him. He can be crazy, he Scientology and all that stuff. I don't really care. If you know anything about actors, they're all crazy anyway. I'm, I've been an actor, so I include me in that, but male, female, all actors are nuts to a certain extent, so when you know somebody jumps on Oprah's couch or whatever, oh, he's crazy, really? Every actor out there, they're a little bit nuts. How, how do you think they play all these different roles and all these different characters? They're crazy. Anyway, Tom Cruise knows how to entertain. Christopher Quarry knows how to put together an action movie. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Looking forward to Part 2. Add this to your collection. Uh, I'm going to put this at the end of a lot of these upcoming movie podcasts because we're talking about it. Today was a big announcement from 20th Century Fox, who's now owned by Disney, that six James Cameron movies are coming to 4K for the very first time. Well... Four movies. Um, they're going to release new editions of both Avatar movies with a lot of extras and all the different versions of the movies. There were three versions of Avatar, and I don't think that was included on the original 4K. I didn't pick up the 4Ks. So they, they didn't do a steelbook for it. They did a steelbook for the sequel, you know, The Way of Water, but they didn't do one. So anyway, they're doing one. Best Buy is doing one. Probably their last steelbook because Best Buy is not putting any steelbooks up for sale past the first of the year. Any new things like that. Um, they're supposed to be getting out of um, physical media as of January 1. They have not put up the pre-orders yet, but they will be going up for these movies. So that being said, with those two special editions coming in December, December 12th, I believe, next year we're getting the holy grails of the home video world. Um, Aliens, the sequel, True Lies, The Abyss, and Titanic. Well, Titanic will be out in December too. Um, all six movies, fully restored in 4K, Dolby Atmos, Dolby Vision. Big deal that Dolby Atmos, uh, is uh, Dolby Vision is on them because Disney has been holding back on Dolby Vision, saving it for their streaming stuff and only putting HDR 10 or 10 Plus on there, or HDR 10 on their movies. So that they've put Dolby Vision on all six James Cameron movies is great. True Lies, man. That movie didn't even come out on Blu-ray. The Abyss, that movie didn't even come out on Blu-ray. Uh, there is a copy of Aliens on Blu-ray. Oh, by the way, 
All of these versions will have all of the versions of the movie. Like Aliens has a director's cut. That will be on there. You'll get both versions. The, the That Avatar, there's three versions on there. I think True Lies has a director's cut or a TV version. That'll be on there. Uh, Abyss has a special edition cut. That will be on both cuts of the Abyss. Are, they, they've done it right. According to James Cameron, they spent time because they know home video is kind of on this teetering thing here. Everybody wants to stream. Nobody wants to buy anything anymore. But a reviewer I watch, Chris Stuckman, he had some good things and bad things to say, things I agree with and things I didn't in his most recent podcast about home media and Marvel and everything else is going on. But he makes the salient point that this movie from Mike Flanagan, one of the original movies he made for Netflix, is no longer on Netflix. It never got a Blu-ray release, and you can't watch it right now. If somebody were just getting into his movies and wanted to watch that movie, they can't find it anywhere. It's not available legally. Why? <laughs> With all these streaming companies worried about content, why isn't everything available all the time? Why are they pulling movies? Well, we all know why. It's rights and money and that kind of stuff. But anyway, if you want to own American World of London, you want to own 2001 A Space Odyssey or Dr. Zhivago or whatever your favorite movie is, buy Star Wars, buy those movies, get them in the best possible version, and hang on to them, put them on your shelf. That way you never have to worry about the streaming world. That's the way I've been living since the days of VHS. It's worse now. I'm waiting on movies. There are movies that I didn't buy on Blu-ray that a year later are getting 4K releases. And why am I doing the 4K? Well, as we go forward into the future, we're going to have bigger and bigger TVs. Eventually, your entire wall will be a TV. A Blu-ray is going to look pretty fuzzy on that, but a 4K is going to look fabulous on anything 100 inches or bigger. Movie theater projectors are in 4K, so we can go pretty big with a 4K image. So that's why I'm future-proofing my collection on getting some, not every movie, but some movies in 4K, and keeping them that way. That way, I never have to worry about a streaming service. I can always pop the disc in and watch them. I have a 4K player that was not very expensive. I have a PlayStation 5 that will play 4Ks. Why would I not have a collection? Why would you not have a collection of at least your favorite movies? You don't have to have hundreds. You don't have to have thousands. But if you love Gone with the Wind, if you love the Muppet movie, if you love, you know, whatever you love, RoboCop, Mad Max, um, go buy your favorite movies and hang on to them. You'll have them. It, it's, people come over to your house and go, wow, you got some movies, right? It'll be a collector's thing. You talk about it. You know, it'll be a, a, a thing. But anyway, I, like I said, don't go crazy with it, but streaming services are getting highly expensive. I'm having a fun time going and finding bargain finds of movies, buying them for a couple bucks, watching them, reviewing them for you here. I had a friend of mine today tell me he loves the fact that I review movies he's never even heard of. I'm like, well, I'm, you know, I'm kind of into movies as much as I'm into other things. I've heard of most of these movies. I just haven't had time to watch them all. Well, like I said, collect your favorite movies. And I would highly recommend picking up Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 so you'll be ready for Dead Reckoning Part 2. I can recommend all of the Mission Impossible movies from 2 or from 3 on up, and 1 and 2 are still worth a watch. They're, they're fun. Don't think they're terrible if you haven't watched them. Scott Rockfile, back with more podcasts on the way. Thank you for taking time out of your day, and have a spectacular one. <laughs>